We've got this. Hey yo, hey yo, hey yo, hey yo. Hey yo, hey yo, hey yo. We've got this. Hey yo, hey yo, hey yo, hey yo, hey yo. We've got this. Find and away. Hey friends, welcome back to the Cervical Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Danelle Barbara Randall. And today I am so excited to offer you a conversation I had with a dear friend of mine. Her name is Halo Saranko. And Halo Saranko is a founder of Shakti Temple Arts, an international and online school of temple dance, classical tantra, and the Taoist feminine arts. Halo is raised by a Taoist father. Her roots in tradition, lineage, and spiritual practice stretch back to childhood. She considers Taoism to be the root of her spirituality, the system from where she began her spiritual and energetic quest studying Tai Chi and Qigong with her father in her early teens. She has since studied multiple lineages in the Taoist traditions of health and well-being, healing arts, and sexual energy cultivation. Combining many threads from her father, as well as Montauk Chia and other teachers from the healing Tao lineage, over the last decade, her practice of Taoist, feminal, femi- Taoist female sexual energy cultivation has flourished and opened up new awareness and embodied experiences that have transformed Halo's life and way of being in profound and beautiful ways. From the depths of her own experiences and her passion for these teachings, Halo has been teaching for 15 years online and internationally. Her mission with Shakti Temple Arts is to offer keys to unlocking the soul's yearning for the direct experience of its innate divinity and wholeness in this life and in this body through these time-tested lineages of embodiment, consciousness, health, and beauty practices. So the reason why I wanted to bring Halo on today and what our conversation is about is because Halo is the first person that I knew online to teach about the jade egg now since that time which was geez like 2017 2018 the jade egg has exploded in the online female sexual health sphere and if you don't know what the jade egg is I'm sure if you look up the hashtag on Instagram, you will find many posts, many teachers of the jade egg, and a lot of content about it that purport that the jade egg is the panacea for all female health and sexual issues. Now, Halo is my friend, and she is like I said, the first person that I knew to teach about the jade egg. Yet over the years, both Halo and I have noticed um, something happening within the jade egg teachings that wasn't being widely talked about. And that is the adverse side effects of using just the jade egg practices from this long, long and deep lineage of teachings that is Taoism. So I invited Halo on to talk about and demystify the reality of the jade egg practices and to give another perspective of this tool that is purported to be a panacea fix-all for female reproductive unwellness. Now, throughout our interview, both Halo and I were within a storm. So it is raining a lot here in California right now. And for both of our homes, it began to rain really hard at some point in the interview. So there are about three sections where the it's you can hear in the audio the connection the internet connection going a little wonky but it it clears up and so I didn't want to stop the interview in the middle um you know those times it just it ended up clearing up so just wanted to give you a heads up there that there are 
about three occasions where when Halo is speaking, it gets a little like staticky because I don't know why, but when it's raining <laughs> or windy where I live in the country, like the internet gets weird. And I've tried to talk to John about this because he's a technologist and he's like, that doesn't make sense. I'm like, I know it doesn't make sense, but it's what happens. So just wanted to give you a heads up about that. And I also wanted to give you a heads up just about the nature of our conversation. Um, It's not, I wish there was another word for trigger warning because it's not really a trigger warning, but just a heads up that what we are talking about might go against what a lot of the other people who teach jade egg teach or stand for and we are not demonizing the jade egg in this conversation we are not saying don't do it but we are bringing another facet to the conversation particularly halo with her like depth of experience longevity of practice and then having taught it for many years um we we bring in a a different voice that perhaps hasn't ever been heard before and that's why I wanted to bring this conversation so if you are a teacher of the jade egg or if you love the jade egg and you stand by it firmly as this incredible tool for all female health and sexuality issues um, this is not a judgment of you this is just us bringing in another facet of the conversation that I think is really important because nuance is what is needed in this time not everything is black and white and I never want anybody who listens to this podcast to think that I see the world in black and white but there are always gray areas so with that I can't wait for you to hear this conversation with Halo I hope you enjoy friends hi Halo welcome to the cervical wellness podcast yay wonderful to be here Janelle Mm, so I have been friends with Halo for the last four years, four or five years, and I actually met Halo in a jade egg circle back, I don't know, way back in like 2017. What year is it now? It's 2023. So yeah, 2017, 2018. And, you know, in the time that I've known Halo, I have watched her grow in her work, but also expand in her teachings around the jade egg. But before I get into that, Halo, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to the Cervical Wellness Podcast and just share more about who you are and what your work is. Yes, absolutely. So um, the body of work I have created is called Shakti Temple Arts. And it's essentially an online and international school that works with three primary different lineages of what I like to refer to as feminine embodied awakening. And one of those lineages is the mother system of the Jade Egg practices, and that is the Taoist system. So I um, teach in that system. I teach in the classical tantric system from India, and then also uh a few different dance forms from around the world but specifically what i like to call shakti temple dance which is kind of a fusion and especially based on uh dances from india that originated in temple traditions so it's my great big passion in life to touch into these lineages and deep profound systems that offer us keys to healing and awakening and deep embodiment and also transformation. I'm curious to hear more about it being called the mother system, the Taoist system. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So Taoism is from ancient China originally. And maybe people have heard of Lao Tzu, who was one of the main sages in the Taoist system who made it popular. Um, He wrote the Tao Te Ching uh, and probably some other really famous texts. Um, Taoism was like an occult. So at the time that Taoism was kind of popular in ancient China, uh, the kind of primary school of thought was called Confucianism. And Taoism was like this occult offshoot of that. So this was more where the mystics were hanging out, where the 
um, sages who are very close and connected to nature were, you know, practicing and discovering through observation of nature within and without. So because it's a system that's so intrinsically based in nature and our harmonious relationship with nature within and without, I call it a mother system. It's very, very, very kind of feminine in nature just as a whole. And when I say feminine in nature, it's not exclusive at all. It's got that embrace of the mother uh, where all, all beings are included in that. But in general, the, the way the system expresses itself is very nurturing and very holistic and very very feminine and within that we have yin and yang i'll get into that as we go but um the taoists actually say that the universe leans 51 percent to the yin and that's because everything begins and ends in what i call the yin field we could call it the womb we could call it the mother uh like this so that's why i call it the mother system and then uh, in regards to the jade egg practices, it's the mother system because that's where those practices came from, where this this much larger, you know, we, we tend to fixate in the West on one single part of a system. We get a, in particularly interested in like the most physical aspect, right? The jade egg being a very like literal tactile object <laughs> that we work with. Um, but the Taoist system is vast. It covers every arena of human life. Mm. I love that. I've never heard anyone actually speak about the Taoist system in that way. So I'm just really grateful that you brought that forward. And, you know, as I mentioned, when we first started, I actually met you in a jade egg circle and you really opened up the door for me for doing intravaginal practices with this tool. And, you know, for me on my cervical healing journey, it was a really important piece for pelvic embodiment, for like unpacking what was held within my pelvis, you know, as it being like a tactile tool that I would focus on in my vaginal canal. Um, and so, you know, before we dive into what I really want to talk to you about regarding the jade egg, which I'll get to, I would love to hear about your history with the jade egg and any more about the history itself of this practice, because I think that's also a missing piece in what we're seeing online is nobody's actually talking about the lineage. And I know that's a very important piece for you. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a firm believer that, a okay, in the West, we don't have as much of a focus on lineage because so much of our own personal ancestral lineages have been broken. Like many of us don't live in the lands of our origins. We definitely like in the modern society, we lose our own familial lineage, you know, um, connections so often. So we just don't have the same context. But when I speak of lineage in terms of like, especially a spiritual practice, because I would say this is Taoism is more of a spiritual practice than a physical practice or even a longevity practice, although that's all in there. Um, the lineage is like a living body of a tradition. So when you take one piece of it, it's like cutting off an arm or a leg, right? You can't possibly, well, it, first of all, the lineage can't survive that way if it's taken piecemeal like that. But we also, like if you just have a hand, how do you understand the whole being behind the hand, right? So it's, it's really important to me that we understand when we're taking practices from different systems, we actually understand that there's an entire context that holds the content, essentially. So the, the lineage is the context, the Taoist system is the context, and then the jade egg is a piece of the content within that, right? So I think that's, first of all, really important. And how I per personally got started on the path um, of, with the Taoist system is that my father is a Taoist practitioner and he's Western, but he found his Taoist master who's um, Master Henry Wong from Taiwan, uh, 
many backstory, but uh, at some point in China, Taoism was persecuted. Many of the texts were burned, many of the Taoists had to flee, and many of them went to Taiwan. So probably in the world, Taiwan might be kind of the most concentrated um, country that still has Taoism as a thriving uh, practice and spiritual path. So anyway, his master's from Taiwan. He studied with him for many years. When I was 14 years old, well, first of all, backstory is that I used to be horribly embarrassed by my father because <laughs> we would go to the park when I was a child and I lived in a very conservative, I grew up in a very conservative city, very, you know, white middle class, not much culture. And my father would start doing Tai Chi and Qigong in the park. And, you know, he stood out like a sore thumb. It just embarrassed me to no end. And uh, back then I didn't understand, but now I couldn't be more grateful because he really was my window into this whole other reality. I mean, where I grew up, it's like, you know, a lot of Mormons, a lot of Christians, Catholics, you know, but that was the only, you know, quote unquote, religious, spiritual diversity. And my father was a window to another way of being. So when I was 14 years old, I got really into just health in general. I wanted to start eating right. I started exercising and going on hikes and all of this. And I started thinking like, hmm, maybe there's something to this thing that my dad does. And he taught classes back then. So I started studying with him at 14 and I started studying Qigong and Tai Chi specifically. The Tai Chi didn't stick for me, the Qigong did. Um, and I think many people, even if you don't know the particulars of Tai Chi and Qigong, you've at least heard of them. Um, it's kind of like the yoga of ancient China and modern China, honestly, tons of people practice. You can see parks full of people practicing even to this day in the cities. Um, so I started studying with him and it was the first time in my life that I felt energy. And these practices came from the Taoist system. So these are an integral part of the Taoist system. In fact, the whole Chinese medical system also came out of the Taoist system. So we can start piecing it all together, like, okay, jade egg practice, tai chi, qigong, Chinese medicine, like all of these different pieces come together to make this whole system and more, more than that even. So um, there were oracular systems like the Tao Te Ching. So I felt energy for the first time ever in my life, like in a very tactile way. And I wouldn't say I'd never felt it before, but not in a conscious context right? It was just, you know, the mystical experience of going into nature or seeing a sunset or the full moon, this kind of thing I was very attuned to from a very young age. I've always been kind of a mystic at heart, even before I had the, the name for it. But when I started doing Qigong and it was like harnessing the same energies I would feel in those moments, but intentionally and in a classroom with my father, something opened for me there. I started to feel my own power and specifically I started to feel my own power in relationship to my embodiment. And as somebody who struggled with eating disorders and body dysmorphia, like this was the beginning of a healing journey for me. And I remember growing up, my father never skipped a beat every morning, even though he had, you know, he worked for the BLM, he had like a full-time job. He would get up every morning, 5 a.m., do at least an hour of practice and go to work. So he really was my teacher for dedication and discipline um, and kind of evolving ourself in these different ways. So not only did he start teaching me, but he started slipping me different books and texts. And I started reading about Taoism and like my mind just started to get blown. So it wasn't until... I was 19, I'd already been practicing at that point for five years. That was my daily practice. Um, I moved up to North Idaho and was going to college. And I remember moving into this like farmhouse in the middle of nowhere, 
my rent was like $75 a month. It was crazy because it was kind of this falling apart farmhouse that some friends of mine had fixed up. And one of the housemates was like, oh, you're into Taoism, huh? Like, I have this book. And she had Montauk Chia's book, Healing Love Through the Tao, which is all about the sexual energy cultivation practices, which are now so popular, probably the most popular part in certain uh, subsects of people um, in this day and age. So I started reading that book and I was like, oh my God, this is phenomenal. And at that time, I was just bursting with sexuality and so curious, and I already felt energy, and I'd had very spiritual experiences through my sexuality and lovemaking. And so I started reading this book, and I just got so excited. And, you know, fast forward a couple years from that, I had a partner that we were both interested in these practices together. And ironically, at that time, you couldn't buy a jade egg anywhere, anywhere. You could not, you could find cheap fake ones that weren't even real jade online. And so I like, I remember ordering one and being like, this isn't even real jade. I knew what real jade was. My dad had a lot of jade. He was so into all that kind of stuff. So I couldn't even find one. And it just so happened that my partner at the time was learning how to do, I think it's called a lathe, like how to carve stone. So he actually made me my first jade egg out of jade from Big Sur <laughs> here just south in California and presented it to me at, uh, for any of you who are familiar, Harbin Hot Springs. And when you come out of the cold plunge at Harbin Hot Springs, there's this beautiful Kuan Yin statue and he whispered in my ear to go look at the statue and there was a jade egg that he had made for me so that was my first jade egg and that's when i started practicing so that was over 10 years ago now and it was profound and at first i was going off of just what i read in the book and then i found a teacher later on and learned so much from her and um so it became this kind of pinnacle part of my life and my sexuality and empowerment and really like opened me to my sexual potential um and to be honest i'll get into this more but i don't know if it was so much like the particular practices or just the intention and focus of working with a stone and working with that part of my body and the energetic practices, which are even more important than the jade egg practices, I would say. So fast forward, the end of that relationship, I was diagnosed with HPV, cervical dysplasia. And it was a really intense time in my life. My stepfather was um, passing away from cancer. So my mother was going through this portal. I was going through a breakup. And it was a really wild experience because it was actually an astrologer in India who I did a reading with. And he said, something's going on in your womb. You need to go to the doctor when you get home. So I get home in this intense situation. My partnership dissolves like right then and there. And I go to the doctor the net, like pretty much the next day and get this diagnosis. So it was one of those moments in life where everything just falls apart completely. And you know, I, one of the reasons I really connect with your work, Danelle, is because I know so intimately the vulnerability of this journey and what it takes to heal on this level. And had I known you back then, it would have been such a gift. But, you know, I mean, that was years ago. You might have even been in your journey at that time. So I was convinced that they of course wanted to give me the leap procedure and i was just like no this is my most sacred intimate place and a place i've done a lot of work and clearly there was more to do or that wouldn't have shown up in my life as a teacher and so amidst other things the jade egg was my healing tool and it was a four-year healing journey before i had my first all clear and i've been clear ever since then um, but the jade egg practice was an integral piece of that healing journey. So I um, 
I know it can be a deeply healing practice. And I know as we get into our interview, we'll talk about the other side of that coin as well. Yeah, it's so interesting to consider how like you couldn't find a jade egg and now they're everywhere. At least I see them everywhere. And it's like they've blown up uh, in the Instagram sphere and, you know, women selling them left and right. And I, I noticed that there is no acknowledgement of the lineage of the the actual root of of where that practice comes from and your metaphor of it like cutting off the arm and just using the arm you know for healing i think is really profound because you know as we'll get into here in a moment like when we just use a piece of of a body a, a living body of work without encompassing the rest of it, it can actually be dangerous and uh, it can actually be harmful in a way. Maybe those words are too strong, but, you know, I'm, I'm curious to hear, because so what I know, so you are my friend now, and we've talked about this in the past, (laughs) but I know that you don't use the jade egg now. And it's not that, as you mentioned, it was very helpful at the time and it helped you heal and it helped you in this path of embodiment, which so many of us women are seeking, but something changed. And I would love to hear more about this awareness piece for you around ways in which maybe the jade egg was not helping and what you where you stand now with the practice and you're welcome to include anything you want about, you know, seeing the proliferation online and people not being safe in the way they teach it. Uh, Because I think this, you know, online entrepreneurship is so exciting and amazing for so many people, but as both of us know, you know, there's this kind of poaching experience where people see something they love and then they want to just teach it without actually knowing the body of work behind it or embodying it themselves. And so now sometimes women can get hurt from it. And so I would just love to open up the conversation around that and and see where it takes us. So I'll just let you start because I know that you have thoughts. (laughs) Yeah, I have so many thoughts. Oh my goodness. You know, I have so many thoughts. So I don't think the words harmful and dangerous are too drastic. I think it's very true. And I see it um, in the proliferation of this practice. And something that happens is these Eastern or, you know, not just from the East, but tradition or practices from different traditions hit the West and they're immediately commodified um, because that's how we're taught to do things over here. You know, it's like everything's too fast paced. Uh, Everything becomes a means for profit and for, you know, building a sense of identity and all of these things. And in the East, when we're touching an Eastern tradition or or any kind of tradition, really, it doesn't even have to be an Eastern tradition. These are rooted in thousands of years of development and evolution. And there has there's a level of patience that's required to truly understand the practices and the teachings there's a level of slowness you know it's like you're hiking up a mountain and it's one step at a time you don't just like take a helicopter and get dropped on the peak you know (laughs) so you you have to approach these things uh with patience and i've had to battle this i'm not saying this in a way that like this is bad but i'm saying this because i've experienced it i've gone into eastern traditions with a western mind and i've jumped the gun and i've made mistakes and i've learned the hard way and there's really something to the protection and the containment that the lineage holds for different teachings. Now, that being said, this piece is even more complicated than just the proliferation in the West. So we have to go into the history of the practice, which I didn't mention before. (laughs) So the the history of the Jade Egg practice is very unclear, to be honest. 
And there's a lot of uh, the story goes that it was a practice that was done by the courtesans or concubines in the courts of the Yellow Emperor. Now, the Yellow Emperor was a Taoist emperor. I couldn't quote you what century he was emperor, uh, emperor in, but let's say a long time ago, <laughs> there was the Yellow Emperor and he had a harem of women. And supposedly they were the ones who were doing these practices. Right. And in the Taoist sexual teachings, men can get energy from women sexually and vice versa. Right. And so in a way we could think of this as like this is a really not great way of saying it, but almost like an energy farm for him, for the emperor in a way. And here's the interesting thing. We don't know, there's actually still debate whether he was a mythological figure or an actual person. It's unclear. So that's the first thing I'll say. Next, there are no known texts, may have been oral traditions. I'm not gonna say this means, you know, that it's not a practice because I absolutely think it is. But there's no known texts that outline the jade egg practices from way back when, right? So it may have been an oral tradition, and it also may be that the texts were burned when the Taoists were persecuted. So both of those are options, but this is just to say we don't actually know the full history of where these came from. Um, and how they became popular in the West was through, uh, to my knowledge, Montak Chia's school right? The healing Tao. And his work is incredible. And it has changed the lives of so many people. But <laughs> I will say, we run into trouble whenever a man is teaching women how to move energy in their bodies and how to do certain things. Because what we have to ask is, are these practices for our wellness and our betterment? Or are they for pleasing a male? These were originally, supposedly, concubine practices. Was that about the women or was that about the man taking pleasure in the women? Hmm. Right? So we're tightening, we're toning, we're creating more dexterous giunis, which is wonderful. But particularly wonderful for him because his orgasm depends on friction and ours depends on softening and opening. So we have a conflict here. And for thousands of years, women have been property of men, have been, our sexuality has been co-opted by the male experience of sexuality, I'll say the male heterosexual experience of sexuality. Um, we have learned, we have internalized our sexuality according to the male gaze. So when I came to the practices via the lens of Mantak Chia, first of all, I did want to please my partners. There was a part of me that was very much in my maidenhood and was orienting in this way of I wanted to be this kind of exotic, practiced, you know, like sexual expert and and i had what i called back then consort karma like i really i don't know if it was like past life stuff but i was really in this energy of consort and um so while the practices were so healing for me and they really were what started happening is i started learning you know in the Taoist system we're taught to even as women like huff and puff and pull up the muscles strongly to, to pull the energy up, but it didn't align with the teachings of the actual system. Like yin and yang are complete opposites, right? So if I resonate more in my body with yin energy, and this like goes way beyond gender, so I don't want the gender conversation to get involved in this, we all have yin and yang and we all have a place that's kind of our home on that spectrum right so it doesn't matter what that home is you know we all know our truth of where we sit on that spectrum now if i'm sitting in a really yin pole which i personally do my energy like sexual energy i'm not trying to 
So a man's sexual energy naturally moves down and out because of ejaculation, because he's the active force, right? The young force, he's planting the seed. The female energy naturally flows up and in because we're the receptive vessel. We're drawing in the seed, right? We are the garden, right? We can think of the man as almost like this heavenly energy that rains down upon the earth and the yin, feminine energy is like the fertile earth that receives the seed and then creates life from it, right? So I was like doing these practices and I was like, this doesn't make sense. I'm like, half, like, doing all this strong muscular contraction and it would actually just like kill my orgasms. It wouldn't lead to these like long rolling deep profound cervical orgasms. So I started on my own and even during the time of my healing journey, uh, really like using the map of the lineage, but also like, hmm, what's actually happening in my body? And as I did more of the energetic practices, not the jade egg practices specifically, but the energetic ones, I became more and more subtly attuned to my energy. And I started to learn how to work with these practices in a different way that I felt honored the female body, the female sexual response um, was much more nurturing for me. And in, in, by default created more pleasure for my partners because i really believe that the the woman's the initiator right it's like yes the the in certain sexual dynamics a man's going to be a more active force but it's the the level of pleasure and opening and vulnerability and depth that a woman can go into that really determines the quality of the sexual experience, right? Whether we go to God or not, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Now, not to say a skilled man can't invite a woman to go into that place. And again, I'm using very heterosexual language here, but it's um, it's really up to where that woman can go and the walls she encounters in herself, if she's able to melt those walls and really open, 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 open. So if we're looking at a practice that involves creating a strong dynamic pelvic floor, there's nothing wrong with that, but we have to be really careful. And I'll go into the reasons why. So I wanted to share the history just to like kind of wind that up because we have to decide, are we using this as a healing tool for women who need healing, like all of us do on this planet at this time, after centuries of what we've navigated sexually. And I don't say that lightly. I really truly believe that we all are on a healing journey if we're in female bodies when it comes to our sex and sexuality. In fact, we're all, if we're human, on a healing journey when it comes to our sex and sexuality. We've had a suppressed feminine and we've had a distorted masculine energy. And these are, are being un kinked, unsuppressed, and it's a messy process, right? So we want to acknowledge that. Um, but we can't continue for, for the health on either side, for the sexual wellness on either side, we can't continue to have such a lopsided view and experience of sex and sexuality that is totally made. I mean, look at pornography today, look at <laughs> so many things are just so geared towards a CIS male heterosexual experience. So, and that's caused a lot of harm for everybody, I would say. So we have to decide, are we going to approach the jade egg as a true healing tool, or are we gonna approach it in a way that perpetuates the status quo? It's all about the approach. We have to understand what we're doing. And so I made the conscious decision after kind of all the moments in history that this needed to be a healing tool. And so when I started teaching, what, gosh, so many years ago now, let's say I was probably practicing for about five years before I started teaching. And then when I started teaching, it was a different thing because when I would practice, it might be like once a week. I always had a very positive experience. I, I fully believe it was a huge piece of my healing journey with HPV. When I started teaching, 
I was very into going into the experience with my students. So I was teaching online, I was traveling the world, teaching globally, and I was doing a lot of workshops. And sometimes we would work with the Jade Egg for like an hour at a time in my workshops. And the way I was taught from a disciple of Montag Chia was like, you could wear your egg, leave it in all day. You could, you know, you could just squeeze it throughout the day. And it was just so focused, you know, I totally going on a tangent here, but I remember going to the Healing Dao Center and I really wanted to go for a cart cyanate song treatment, which is when they do intravaginal massage. And I got my moon literally on the way there and I couldn't have it, but I was able to get the chinit song, which is just an abdominal massage. So I was talking about my shamanically painful menstrual periods and they prescribed me a hundred Kegels a day to deal with my menstrual cramps. <laughs> and I laugh now because it like just made everything so much worse. And so there's this fallacy that this is a one size fits all practice and that this is some magical practice that's going to heal every possible problem a woman can have in her pelvic bowl and it's completely part of my French bullshit. This practice can cause more harm than good if we don't know what we're doing, if we don't know how to do it. Um, I, after teaching so much, I developed a condition called vulvodynia where and there was more to the story than this i'm not going to put it all on the jade egg but i can't go to the jade egg now because my pelvic bowl will lock up almost instantly so i i work with it in a very different way now i work with different practices now and thank goodness the Taoist system has so many more practices than that but now i recommend women who do want to try the jade egg you start with 15 minutes once a week see how that goes add from there or subtract from there we always want to make sure we're not just drawing in but we're also pushing down and out which i always did before but i just did way too much of it and i followed my teacher's advice and would wear it in and and leave it in for hours which means the the muscles are contracting to some degree um I've had students come into my workshops who just heard of it and they put it in and left it in for two weeks because they thought that's what their yoni wanted because it didn't come back out, which is a recipe for, could be a recipe for a very huge pelvic inflammatory disease disaster. <laughs> so there's just so much when something gets popular and we don't have just the proper grounds to understand it that can cause huge problems. So. I think it, what led me to the experience of vulvodynia, which meant I had a burning vagina due to tight muscles for two years. So that was the opposite of having the most pleasure I could ever have in my life and being orgasmic and dripping down my legs all day long every day, <laughs> which is kind of how I see these practices marketed. I was in literally sitting in buckets of ice water to try to cool down my raging vagina and <laughs> it was not very much fun now like i said there were several other things that i was doing around the same time that i think contributed i had had a pelvic floor injury completely independent of jade egg some years prior um i had also started sugaring for the first time ever which is like I just now don't know, I mean, to each their own, but the pain of like ripping hair off of the nether regions, like my yoni was so pissed about that. And it's another thing we tend to do for other people. I know some women love it and they do it for themselves and I fully support that. But um, yeah, I had a, a burning vagina for two years and through pelvic floor therapy and working with a therapist i started learning a lot more about the pelvic floor and starting to see like places where oh isn't so good with the jade egg practice and this could be adapted and i still stand by the practice but we have to know our pelvic layout before we start working with the jade egg on some level which means if you have a hypertonic pelvic floor which i've learned many women have including myself i haven't had children i'm a professional dancer i'm a yogini um, i've done these jade egg practices for years and years um, 
my pelvic floor doesn't need much in terms of exercise. It needs a lot more in terms of massage, loosening, opening, de-armoring kind of work. And so I learned that the hard way, but many, many women navigate pelvic tension nowadays because we're dealing with more stress than our bodies were ever meant to navigate. We're dealing with more, I mean, so many women have sexual trauma of various degrees. I would say most women have sexual trauma and it just depends what the degree of that is. Um, there's so many reasons, right? Or just literally, it might just be physiological. Your pelvis is out of alignment. And so the muscles aren't lined up. So you don't wanna be just cranking down on a jade egg because you're going to lock that imbalance more into place. You wanna get things balanced before you go to the practices, right? So I always, in some ways I look back and I'm like, you know, I think I was always teaching it correctly. You know, I would tell my students to use it, you know, once a week, start there, build up from there. I also always taught my students to do what I called vaginal acupressure, which is like de-armoring and to always have those as companion practices, which I think that's the workshop you came into, Danelle, was the vaginal acupressure where we touched our cervixes and everything. Um, so it was really powerful. And I still think, like I said, the jade egg can be a healing tool but you don't want to just go ham on it. You know, you don't want to just take it and be like, I'm going to do this an hour a day. I'm going to, you know, I really don't resonate with the approach of vaginal weightlifting, which I feel like is just so masculine and there's nothing wrong with that for some people, but I can't imagine that it actually creates more pleasure and better orgasms and all of that. I really, find it difficult to believe that, although that might be some people's experience. So I won't say that's impossible. In my experience, it was quite the opposite. So I think we just need to be mindful and we need to create a more feminine approach to these practices. And we also have to understand they are not for everybody. They're not for every woman. And to not get caught in the glamour of this quote unquote exotic practice and where we think we should be. I think women have enough pressure around what our bodies should look like, around what our sex should look like, around all of these things that the last thing we need is another tool that makes us feel ashamed that we're not where we think we should be or um, this kind of thing. And I think the way it's marketed you know, if you buy a jade egg or you sign up for a course with this promise that you're now going to have multiple orgasms and maybe you are an anorgasmic woman, that you're going to go from uh, menopause to having a juicy young vagina again, that you're going to, and then these things don't, or it's going to take away your menstrual cramps, but then they get worse. And then you're like, well, what's wrong with me? And that's what women's minds tend to go to. Something must be wrong with me. But what if it's something wrong with the practice? What if the practice isn't right for you? So um, I think what I'll leave, the note I'll leave this on is just that we always, we can try all the things in life. It's beautiful. And I actually do highly recommend trying the practice, but body has the last say. Listen to your body. If you're experiencing pain or cramping, stop the practice. Um, if it's uncomfortable in any way, stop the practice. If you're not getting the results you'd hoped for or you're getting even the opposite results, stop the practice, right? And find a teacher who knows what they're doing. <laughs> find a course that is connected to lineage because the Jade Egg, like in my program that I have on the Jade Egg practices, it's the third module. We have two full modules that we do all this work prior to working with the jade egg and that module is called jade egg as ally because that's all it is it's an ally for these deeper energetic practices so you want to make sure to understand it's not the main course it's like a dessert that can be added to this beautiful system of practice that i do still do all of those other practices my body my journey was that jade egg was an profound healing tool for many years until it wasn't and then at some point my body said no more 
and it still says no more. I do touch back in every once in a while and just like, nope, still no. <laughs> and um, so let it be a healing tool until it's not or, but yeah, always listen to the body. Always listen to the body, start small and find a teacher who is teaching all the other practices from the lineage because you don't need to feel bad if you can't do the jade egg there's so much more that's so important and like i said i'm still practicing in the system that i would say the energetic practices the ovarian breathing the microcosmic orbit the six healing sounds um those really can be for anybody and uh so and they're beneficial for anybody so it's not that you can't do the the practices or the teachings. There's so much more that the system has to offer. Yeah, I think this conversation and everything that you just shared is so, so important to be had because in this era of like fast and quick and let me just watch a TikTok on how to use the jade egg in 15 seconds, um, I think everything that you just shared is the missing foundational pieces that so many women desperately want to hear because we want to heal. We want to feel good in our bodies. We want to feel embodied and connected and we want to heal our pelvis of whatever ails us. And, you know, in the era of social media marketing, which, you know, you and I are a part of, but I feel like both you and I have kind of witnessed the depth, the I think it's involution. I want to say devolution, but it's involution of like truthful marketing, you know, and then both of us hearing stories and receiving, you know, women's experiences that these practices or something they've been marketed to was actually harmful to them, that we need to be speaking about the truth and reality of, of what these tools, what these practices, what this lineage can do, but also what it can't do or what it can do in a way that we weren't expecting. And, you know, I know for me and my journey with the jade egg, I think you're right. It was the pelvic, the intervaginal acupressure workshop that I was in with you. I feel like I knew about your jade egg workshops or like I was, I like signed up once, but I didn't go. I learned jade egg from Layla Martin. Um, but once actually, you know, now that you've said that, I've realized that it was learning about intervaginal acupressure from you that I realized for myself as well that that's actually what my body was needing. And because when I would practice the jade egg, I would have cramping and it would feel like my body would just want to like pop it out, like get this out of me. And you know, I tried the obsidian egg to sleep with it in with it, um, sleep with it in me. And, um, you know, I would wake up and have pain, pain in my vaginal canal. And so, you know, when I work with women now with their cervical healing, you know, I always err towards vaginal dearmoring because you're so right halo so most women that i have ever spoken to have chronic tension in their pelvis have chronic tension in their vaginal canals around their cervix and the ligaments holding up their uterus and their inner thighs and their rectum and their anus and i think as what you pointed to is the jade egg as a tool being disconnected from the lineage of these energetic practices has left it into being something that is kind of shallow and vapid in a way, and it's it's missing the meat of the matter. And that's why I wanted to have you on here to have this conversation, um, because I do know women are still using it, and I hope it is working for them. And I don't want them to come back to you and or I and be like, oh my gosh, now I'm experiencing like chronic pelvic pain or inflammation. Um, and the other thing that really <laughs> rang true, I actually wrote down vaginal weightlifting because I wanted to bring that up because I tried vaginal weightlifting. I tried the whole, you know, let me tie something heavy and like lift it up. And my whole body was like, what the F are you doing? Like, this is the worst thing ever. 
And I thought something was wrong with me. I thought something was wrong that I didn't like it or I didn't feel more pleasure because of it. And I tried vaginal weightlifting, I don't know, probably for like three months. And I just finally had to quit and just kind of wallow in my misery thinking something was wrong with me. But upon reflection and in hearing your your shares, I'm like, actually... It, I wasn't what was wrong with me. It was what I was told I needed to be doing for myself that was wrong. So, you know, whoever is listening to this, if you have, if you are working with a jade egg or doing like intravaginal work with stones um, of like tightening and toning and whatnot, this is not to shame you or to tell you not to do it. But what I'm hearing from you, Halo, is just to have more awareness around the practice awareness and consciousness and what your body is asking of you like does your body actually want you to do this or is your mind telling you that you need to do this for your body and furthermore to um, have more of the energetic practices to learn more about the Taoism system uh, supporting female physiology and not just using this extracted tool uh, for in a way, like an egoic benefit. <laughs> uh, yeah. What do you? What are your thoughts about that, Halo? I think that was very well said. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's very ego. It's very like, oh, I'm gonna lift this well, weight. It's, it's just, you know, I mean, this is like a whole other topic that we could go into at another point. But like, there's a way that the feminine empowerment movement has been like still has internalized patriarchy within it so much of it and one of the biggest pieces that i would say are a result of that is exactly what you just touched on which is that our bodies are constantly co-opted by our minds right we say we force so many things on our bodies and i think especially as women like there is just so much weight on us from such a young age about our physique, about uh, what we're giving to others or not giving to others. Like, it's just the pressure on women is unimaginable. So we have a default mode where we're constantly co-opting the experience of our bodies by our minds. Uh, I think everyone, I mean, just like you said, every woman I know has a little voice inside that says, is there something wrong with me? You know, is there something wrong with me? Well, I was told that this was gonna work this way, but it doesn't for me. Is there something, is it me, right? How often in relationships do women think it's because of them that the relationship is falling apart or that the partner cheats or whatever it is. It's just like, we are healing something so profound and the jade egg can be a tool to help heal that. But it's all about how we use it. It's not going to be a healing tool if we're using it by co-opting the voice of our body by what our mind wants to be true or by what the mind wants to experience. It's like women who struggle with low libido or who are anorgasmic the last thing that's going to bring libido back or let a woman have an orgasm is pressure. <laughs> and so often we're pressuring ourselves because we've been pressured by families, we've been pressured by partners, we've been pressured by society. And we're living, so many women are living in this like pressure cooker as a result of that. And these practices should help us unwind all of that. And the goal, I would say, of the Taoist teachings, particularly where it touches onto sexuality, and I will say this is also true of the any tantric teachings that have to do with sexuality, and I don't mean Western tantra teachings, I mean tantra from India, if there are teachings around sex and sexuality, really what we're moving towards is a more natural state. We all have a wholeness, in, that's here right now inside each of us. We are whole. 
there's so much that's been built up around that sexual energy is one of the most pure energies in essence on the planet it's so beautiful if you've been graced with that experience to touch pure sexual energy it's holy it's gorgeous it's life making it's radiant it's so it's godly it's all the shit we've put around it that prevents us from having that experience. And so we want to use these tools not to build up more of an identity, more of an appearance, have more of an agenda for ourselves. We actually wanna use these practices to strip away and get back to the heart of who we are and to like the most healing relationship we can have with sex and sexuality is not one where we're suppressing it, or obsessing over it because those are just extremes right the most the place we want to go is a healthy relationship with sex and sexuality which means it's just natural again we don't have all like can we even imagine what does it feel like to just let sex be what it is to let it be natural and then what happens when we approach the jade egg practice in that way right and we might know some techniques we might want to use some of those techniques but that we're also just listening and breathing and being with the practice and stopping you know honoring our own boundaries not overriding our nose our body's cues so that's when it's going to turn into a healing tool right and we have to follow the green lights as women whenever there's a yellow light you have to pause and stop and listen if there's a red light you absolutely have to stop and change course when it comes to female sexuality it's all about the green lights and going to where the opening happens because we're like a flower we bloom from the center and so we want practices that are going to help facilitate the blooming in order to have healing sexual experiences and healing relationships with ourselves and our pelvises yes. and blooming yeah. to our own wholeness Mm, wow. Well, Halo, I think I'm going to have to have you on the podcast again because I feel like we could riff for hours like we do when <laughs> it's just you and I hanging out. Um, but I, I feel like this is a, a good place to bring it to a close. And, you know, I know that you, like you said, you still support the Jade Egg as a tool. We're just inviting consciousness and awareness to it and to bring in this other piece that the marketing we're seeing online doesn't bring in to the light. So um, where can the people find you? Tell us more about, yeah, what's upcoming for you and how they can connect into your work. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot. So for, for anyone who's listened to this and you're like, oh my gosh, I really want to know more about the traditional stream of this practice in particular. Um, I have an online course. It's just evergreen. So you can sign up at any time and go at your own pace. And there is a whole module on jade egg practices and teachings uh, as per the system. But then there's also several modules on the energetic practices and the qigong that are all support practices to that and will also give the energetic sensitivity to be able to listen more deeply when working with the jade egg so that you're not causing harm and then there's also a vaginal acupressure section in there so that is locked and loaded and ready to go for anybody who feels the call um, on my website shaktitemplearts.com and you can go to the virtual temple link and that will take you to all of my courses that are just ready to go. Um, my most exciting offering that's coming up is my six month mentorship program, Temple of Shakti. And this is more through the lens of Tantra, but we touch on all the Taoist practices in there as well. And there's a whole live series within the program on the Taoist practices. Um, so much more super time, but you can explore that all through my website under the mentorship tab. And it's again called Temple of Shakti. It's all about um, starting to bring that feminine embodied awakening into our lives through every aspect of our life, in our lives, and especially through the lens of living Tantra. 
And what's really exciting is that this is the first part to a year long program, especially for other women who are teachers or leaders or really passionate about women healing and women rising in the world and really transforming our world for the better. Um, so there's going to be a second part that's a leadership program, and I'm actually going to be teaching how to teach a lot of this work, including the Taoist stuff, how to not make the same mistakes that I made and how to make sure that you're teaching in a way that's really inclusive for all the different pelvic bowls that will be encountered along the way and to know how to really hold women through these practices that so many women come to through for healing. So Temple of Shakti, the, the mentorship program starts April April 19th, the leadership program, that's six months, and then the leadership program, which is the second half, so you have to do the first part first, will be in March of next year, and it ends with a seven-day in-person retreat in the Sacred Valley of Peru, so it's going to be incredible, and um, the last thing I'll say about it is that you know, as somebody who's so passionate about lineage and this bridge of East meets West, I really was thinking like so many people want to teach so many of take people women have taken my course and gone on to teach uh, for better or worse, some of them, um, <laughs> just being honest. Uh, and I realized like people want to teach this stuff because it is so powerful. But you can't just do a month long program. You can't just do an online course and turn around and teach this without potentially causing harm, without doing a disservice to the lineage, without these, you have to have a awareness. So that's why I developed this whole year long program with an in-person retreat at the end so that there's just no confusion. There's no question. It's like you can step out and teach with confidence and know that what you're teaching is coming from a deep place of integrity and ethics and support of the lineage and support of the teachers um, and whatnot. So that's coming up. It's starting next month <laughs> in on April 19th. Thank you, Halo. I will be sure to link all of that in the description below. And I'm just so grateful that you agreed to come onto the podcast and I'm grateful to be walking this path with you. Um, yeah, until next time, friends, thanks for being here on the Cervical Wellness Podcast and we'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for joining us today, friends. If you want more cervical wellness information and content, check out my website, cervicalwellness.com, or give us a follow over on Instagram at cervicalwellness. Please share this episode if it felt right and true for you. And until next time, friends, remember, we've got this.